welcome to the Sleep and Health Podcast, Ireland's first dedicated sleep podcast. I'm your host, Tom Coleman, health scientist and sleep coach. The goal of this podcast is to empower you to get a better night's sleep, as well as taking a comprehensive look at trends and topics in well-being that impact your sleep. Over the coming months, I will unravel the mysteries of sleep, sharing expert insights, practical tips, and inspiring you to unlock the secrets to a restful night's sleep and better health. You should be spending about 36% of your lives asleep. Are you? Sleep is the ultimate act of self-care and I'm here to help you with it. You're all very welcome along. I'm absolutely delighted to be launching this podcast on sleep and many other areas of health as well. Sleep is something I'm really passionate about. I'm a qualified health scientist and I've worked in sleep for about 10 years. I want to share with you everything I've learned and I want you to know that I'm here to help help you improve your sleep and protect your health. I want to empower you. I want to reassure you that no matter how bad your sleep is or how long you've had sleep issues, it can improve. I've worked with so many people from elite athletes to menopausal women. I've worked with technology that analyzes sleep patterns. I've been involved in research. Um, I've been a father, so I've been sleep deprived as well. I'm here to question, I'm here to challenge and to look at everything related to sleep. What's the science behind it? What's the science behind many of these health fads? So over the coming weeks and months, I am going to cover everything from sleep supplements to cold water therapy. I will dedicate full episodes to sleep, stress and anxiety to the role of technology and how to break that habit of scrolling. We will also look at snoring, uh, sleep apnea, brain health and neurodegenerative disease. And there will be episodes on caffeine, heart rate variability, breath work, menopause, shift work and sports performance. And I'm going to share the research with you. This episode will be dedicated really to the essential components required to achieve sleep. Okay. Firstly, I'll give you an overview of the type of things that are necessary for sleep to happen. Sleep is complex. It's not simple. We don't really think about sleep until we miss out on it, until we're sleep deprived, and then it's all we can think about. I think nowadays people are obsessed with sleep. But the main focus today will be on four of the most powerful chemicals that will determine if you're able to sleep well or not. The goal of this episode is to give you a clear understanding of sleep and how your daily choices, actions and behaviours will influence it. And I'm going to leave you with some clear actionables to help you manage and improve your sleep. So, what is sleep and why do we do it? We have started to understand a lot more, in, especially in the last 50 years, on sleep. 
sleep and dormant states provide what are known as periods of adaptive inactivity. Okay, so we're, we're making adaptions and adjustments while we sleep. Sleep is a biological process. It's a psychological one. There are social and cultural elements too. It's a deeply personal thing. So I'm going to just briefly break down sleep and hopefully reframe it for you. So, firstly, physiological or biological. That means that there are complex chemical processes that need to happen for sleep to be achieved. And we can easily interfere with these. So if we think of something like caffeine, for example, if we drink too much coffee or tea, that will disrupt our ability to fall asleep. There's a lot of interplay of things like serotonin, adrenaline, cortisol, melatonin, and other things. And I will, over the coming months, delve more into these areas, maybe. The second layer to look at or think about, brainwave activity. I will have a full episode dedicated to this, but it is a key component and not spoken about often enough. You have to enhance your ability to transition from an active brain into um, a more passive uh, phase. And that's essential for sleep. Okay. Next, the psychological experience. I mean, we've all been here, right? Overthinking, analyzing, a racing mind, stress, anxiety, worry. Now, all of these things are distinctive. And I will tell you this. In over 90% of cases I deal with, people have some, and usually a combination of these issues. You can get all of the other physical stuff right, and the sleep can still be, you can still be awake all night, right? From a racing mind or from an emotional event that happened. Next, your narrative towards sleep. What is that? We're going from a conscious state in wakefulness to a subconscious state of sleep. So the messaging around sleep is really important. Do you worry about sleep? Are you anxious? Do you have what I call sleep anxiety? The next aspect is cultural. So, I mean, sleep is the opposite of activity. Now, I'm from the west of Ireland and the first two things that were said about somebody when I was growing up was how hard they worked and what time they got up in the morning. That fella's up at half five in the morning. So sleep was almost seen as a negative, right? It's a sin. That's what, that's what was said to me. Imagine we have the seven deadly sins. One of them is sloth. So it's a sin to be lazy. So we have to maybe question that narrative around sleep, right? And then the social element. Do you sleep with a partner? Uh, how does that make you feel? Do you feel a sense of security? Some people can't sleep without their partners. Other people, <laughs> maybe, are being kept awake at night because of their partner. So, what does the research say? Is it better to sleep alone or together? Well, I have some research here for you. 2020, um, a study here, bed sharing in couples. Co-sleeping was associated with about 10% more REM sleep less fragmented REM sleep as well. Sleep architecture were more synchronized between partners during co-sleeping. So a really positive association there. Imagine when you're sleeping with a partner, your sleep cycles coordinate. Isn't that just wonderful? Romantic relationships and mental health. Sleep has been argued to mediate this relationship. I have another study here from... 
2022 from the University of Arizona. Sleeping with a partner was associated with lower depression, anxiety and stress scores and greater social support and satisfaction with life. The same study said uh, sleeping with a, a partner spouse is associated with better sleep quality and better mental health overall. Sleeping with a child, on the other hand, was associated with worse sleep in general. So that's the research advocating for sleeping together. How about sleeping apart? Dr. Hannah Patel, a GP specialist in sleep and mental health, tells us that sleeping separately could be hugely beneficial to couples who are struggling with different sleep patterns or sleep disorders. So there is kind of conflicting evidence, but I would say it's deeply personal. Um, there have been studies in France in 2021 that showed 10% of cohabiting couples are sleeping in separate bedrooms. The Sleep Health Foundation carried out a study and found that 17% of more than 2,000 Australian couples slept alone. So again, people, I would say to you, it's completely personal. It depends on your situation. If there's a shift worker in the house, if you're um, waking earlier or staying in bed, if there's children, it is personal. Then we have genetics, okay? So we have about nine different genes known as clock genes that influence our chronotype, our preferences, our sleep requirements. So really ask yourself, how much sleep do I need? And that is personal. And then we have life and stress. And it re really important to say here, the same systems that control stress control sleep. You cannot be living a life full of stress, unmanaged, and expect to sleep well. Okay, So we need to learn how to fully ramp down cognitive and emotional activity. Trauma can profoundly disrupt sleep. Okay, So you can have a traumatic event and that will cause the brain to get stuck and repeat the same cycle for decades. And I've, I've seen this with, with clients, but again to reassure you, even clients who've had a traumatic event can improve their sleep so that's my overview on reframing sleep the next thing i want to talk about is the chemical processes that happen these four powerful chemicals what are the components okay so before i delve into that just to say that things like uh, our societal sleep window, our alarm, our schedule should be matching up with our biological drive to sleep. A window opens up for sleep and then hopefully your alarm clock is matching that. Other outside influences will certainly make a difference as well. So firstly, cortisol. Cortisol you may know as the stress hormone. It's produced by the adrenal glands. It's known as a catecholamine. It's in a family. So catecholamines are any hormones produced by the adrenaline gland. So we have adrenaline, cortisol, noradrenaline, which is essentially cord uh, adrenaline in your brain. And those are secreted in fight or flight, or that sympathetic stress response, okay? So we want to keep these low to achieve sleep. They're increased by exercise as well. The stress ho hormone cortisol needs rhythm. It's known as an anticipatory hormone to prepare you for activity. So your cortisol levels are at their highest in the morning. Okay, And that's useful because in the morning 
That's our bodies pushing us out the door to find calories, build shelter, to learn. Imagine cortisol as when you go into the shower and it's too cold. So you turn the knob and you're waiting a few seconds gradually. The water warms up and then it gets too hot. So you turn it down. So there is a delay with that. Okay. High levels of cortisol will certainly impair sleep and cause you to wake up during the night. And if we have increased nocturnal cortisol secretion, that is associated with poor sleep, uh, accelerated aging and depression. Okay, so cortisol needs oscillations and rhythm. Okay, so anything that's too emotional or uh, metabolically reactive, like exercise, that will that will disrupt. Um, we're very sensitive as well. I mean, if I even tell someone to wake up, they will. I'm sure you've had a flight, uh, an early flight, and, and that night you just keep waking up, okay? So we want to try and manage our cortisol. So what kind of things can we do to help ourselves manage cortisol well? Firstly, exercise. So intense exercise causes a spike in cortisol and then a dip of the baseline levels, okay? So that's really useful for us. So again, physical activity, fantastic. If we exercise in the 40 to 60% range, which is probably like a brisk walk, that also lowers cortisol. Nutrition, certain foods will help manage and lower. Dark chocolate, isn't that great news for some of you? Pears, bananas, green tea, probiotics, all of these help lower cortisol naturally. And then certain foods like high, high fructose corn syrup can increase cortisol. Other things to be aware of, high achiever syndrome. If you're that type A personality and you can't let things go, that will keep you awake, certainly. And there are also supplements that will help with cortisol. And I will cover supplements in a full episode. Okay. Hormone number two, melatonin. Okay. So this is like the opposite of cortisol. Okay. It has a 24-hour rhythm. Okay. Melatonin is known as the darkness hormone. And what it does really is it prepares you for things that you do at night, including sleep. So it regulates your sleep-wake cycle. It is also a very powerful antioxidant for unfertilized female eggs. So if, you, if you're trying to get pregnant, really, we want to look after our sleep and have lots of melatonin. The um, infertility shift is uh, something that is referred to in, in nursing circles. So if you're working nights, it's known as the infertility shift. And that's down to uh, melatonin. Also, melatonin helps activate brain cleaning. It helps protect neural tissues from oxidative stress. It helps regulate the gut biome. It improves your immunity and your inflammatory response. So we can see that melatonin isn't just about sleep. There's lots to it. It's inhibited by light. It's secreted in darkness. And it will be shut down by any bright light. Your phone, uh, computer, tablet. Okay. It's unaffected by meals, stress and sleep. Isn't that interesting? So uh, melatonin is only concerned with sleep onset. Melatonin won't keep you asleep. Okay. Um, so what kind of actionables can we learn from this? Light is the master switch here, people. 
I encourage you to carry out a light audit in your bedroom and bathroom, okay? The last thing people do sometimes is go into the bathroom and turn on exceptionally bright lights and tell their brain, stop producing melatonin. So low lights, even the position of the light in the bedroom, low power, oranges and yellows are better. And an eye mask. It's it's the simplest thing. And the first night you wear an eye mask, your sleep will improve. Okay, so that's melatonin. What else puts you to sleep? The other powerful thing that puts you to sleep is something called adenosine. And that's known as sleep pressure. It builds up during the day while you're awake. And essentially, adenosine promotes the drive to sleep. It's what you feel when you wake in the morning. Okay, that grogginess. The fastest way to clear adenosine from your system is natural light. I know many of you use coffee or tea. and Caffeine blocks adenosine receptors in your brain. And then when the caffeine leaves six to eight hours later, the adenosine floods in and the afternoon slump hits you like a train. So here's a tip. Delay your first coffee. Okay. Adenosine itself is actually a byproduct of energy production. So isn't it incredible that your brain is tracking how much energy you're burning and that's informing how much pressure to keep you under for sleep. Adenosine also has a role in immunity and inflammation. It's used as a heart medication to slow the heart down and one of the side effects of adenosine is an impending sense of doom. Isn't that incredible? At night, how do we feel? We don't feel great about the world. Okay, so what actionables can we learn from this? Expend energy during the day. Get moving. That will increase the sleep pressure. And watch the naps. Don't nap too close to bedtime. Okay, number four, serotonin. Think serene serotonin. Serotonin is a mood regulator. It's the the body and brain's feel-good hormone. It's very powerful. We want high levels of serotonin uh, in the afternoon. Low serotonin is associated with mood disorders and even sexual desire and drive lowers if you haven't got enough serotonin. It's made in the gut. It regulates digestion as well. And it helps us really transition into relaxation. Levels of serotonin are at their highest or should be in the late afternoon and evening. And we get serotonin from food, outside light, exercise and even supplements like tryptophan. Okay, so what kind of actionables can we take to increase levels? Again, exercise. Are we noticing a pattern here, people? Movement. Light. Have you ever been outside all day? And then that night you sleep like a baby. What did your mother tell you that was? Fresh air. <laughs> get out into the fresh air. It's actually serotonin. When we get lots of natural light, we get lots of serotonin. Serotonin is a precursor to melatonin. So we need serotonin to make melatonin. Certain foods like complex carbohydrates will increase serotonin. And supplements like 5-HTP. So... These are the four chemicals. So I just want to summarize now. And let's summarize the chemicals and the processes and the day. So essentially what we have, we are diurnal. We're designed to be active during daylight hours. Now, the day is split into two blocks of eight hours. 
we have the active phase and primarily we're getting stuff done we're surviving we have cortisol adrenaline ACHT and other chemicals which promote movement and seeking okay those are improved by light and exercise earlier in the day then we have the passive phase so the second eight hours should be associated with the other chemicals like serotonin and melatonin uh, and they happen later in the day we need to start to unwind to exercise early to eat well and seek out darkness then so that covers the really powerful chemical messengers and hormones so we can see how our activity our behaviors and our choices can really influence those so what are the key messages from episode one of the podcast key message one sleep is deeply complex okay your life is complicated and probably really demanding you have ingrained thinking and habits that you've developed over decades and they will take time to fix don't expect to throw a supplement at your sleep problem and to fix it key message number two your behaviors and choices through the day will powerfully influence your ability to fall and stay asleep key message three taking control over and becoming better at sleep is about having a strategy a framework that you build and implement over the course of months rather than days and key message four sleep is the ultimate act of letting go letting go of the day letting go of what i didn't get done what i should have done what i have to do tomorrow your hopes your fears your anxieties your wishes all of this stuff how do you let go you practice you practice and you retrain those systems so your tasks for this week ahead firstly realize that uh, there isn't just an off button that you come to the end of a stressful day and switch off you are complex um, and a complicated organism the second thing i'd like you to focus on is lowering cortisol especially in the evening evening time through daily activity physical activity through food and through stress management and mindset and the third thing build tiredness with physical activity and get your timings right and learn to unwind in the evening so in a nutshell your job is to work with your body to encourage de-escalation of chemicals activity especially mental activity What governs the chemical environment will ultimately govern the nervous system and we need to cool that down, especially mentally and cognitively. So that's about it for episode one. I hope you enjoyed it and found it useful. Next week, episode two, we will look at stress. And that is a huge issue I see for people. It's a really exciting episode and I know that you'll find it incredibly useful in your day-to-day life and how it impacts your sleep as well. I want to thank you. I hope you found the episode interesting. I want you to put it into action. When we try different actions, we get different results. And I really look forward to the coming months and to sharing everything I know with you. So have a great day. And more importantly, have a great night's sleep. I'd like to take a moment to express my gratitude to you, the listeners. I'd love to hear from you, so please drop me a message on my Instagram account, tomcoleman.ie. Share your thoughts, 
like, subscribe, download, and even share your recommendations for future episodes. You matter. Your sleep matters. And I'll be here to guide you to many nights of deep, restful, consistent sleep.